from the Dream Team welcoming you to our bonus Turning Point episode for the Better Than Ever podcast. Weekly, we'll be featuring one of our graduate students discussing their Turning Point. Turning Points were inspired by a conversation during the HMBA graduate retreat led by Carrie Peters and Stacey Morgenstern. Here's a quick peek into how it all began. It's great to dream and imagine without the current limitations. And at the same time, we need a starting place, right? Otherwise, that's just a fantasy. It's not something that we realize. The starting place is something that we call the turning point. There are so many times in our lives where we reach a crossroads of a decision we make that takes your life in one direction or another direction. You guys remember the movie Sliding Doors? This was long, a long time ago, maybe it was in the 90s. She, you know, she gets on the subway and you see that life and then she misses the subway and you see that life. And a turning point is that. It's a moment in time where you are making a decision about a road you're going to take that changes the course of your life. This week, we are featuring health and lifestyle coach Vivian Partridge from Wellbeing Mind and Body Health Coaching. She is currently enrolled in our HMB graduate course. Here is her turning point. I'm an immigrant. Your initial reaction to this accent might not actually conjure up that label. My experience, I think, might be paralleled with many others. To say it was an uprooting (laughs) um, might color the picture of what it felt like uh, to move to the U.S. in 1999. I moved a very young family, three children, six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a nearly two-year-old from a small English village with a one a one-room schoolhouse uh, where my two daughters were in. And um, I was delighted by the move. It was a wonderful move for my husband. Um, I'd visited the States before. I'd loved the area we were coming to in California. And um, it was a great adventure, but I had no idea how much of a culture shock it was going to be. Um, sharing the same language um, that just wasn't it just wasn't in my realms of how I was going to approach this Um, and I I felt incredibly fearful I felt like I was navigating so many new systems um, healthcare systems um, the education system, um, just so many things. And having a tendency towards um, anxiety, uh, I just wanted to be I just wanted to be in control uh, of so much um, because because it was so unknown. I was, fearful in looking after the children in all these new arenas and also at that time the U.S. had changed some of their visa policies I was actually on a very low status 
uh, lower than my husband. And I wasn't to be awarded a social security number. And it was actually really difficult to operate in society without one. For example, I couldn't even get a cell phone. It took months to do that. And it had to be in my husband's name. And we had to put down a big deposit, which was never refunded. And all things like that. And I know the laws have been changed quite recently. Um, and it all fed into this kind of uh, loss of identity. Um, I wasn't allowed to work. Not that I was going to go straight into the working arena as a teacher uh, with young children, but um, it all fed into this kind of loss of identity and um, feeling of being uh, alone or being other. The very the very fact that you're called an alien, albeit legal. Um, did play into my psyche and I feel I um, kind of crippled myself with thinking this is how it was going to be forever. Uh, systems and culture were going to feel alien to me. And I actually started to uh, spiral down into a period of ill health. I suffered from insomnia, alopecia, and I developed gallbladder disease. That was obviously the path I was on anyway, pre-emigrating, but it accelerated and I had to have a gallbladder surgery within a very short time of being here. I found myself in, in a very negative mindset. I was finding it hard to assimilate. And... What sort of happened next was, you know, I recognized these tendencies uh, in my family, from my mother particularly, anxiety and depression. And I almost held even tighter to trying to control everything. And I did make some ground. I mean, I did, I did volunteer work. I, I tried to make connections. I've, I've always... I've always started new things. I've always been inquisitive and tried things out and have tried to help, help myself. Um, so I did make some gains. A couple of years in, I got better. I had my surgery. I got better. And then 9-11 happened. And these fears and sort of this rigid controlling attitude uh, re-emerged <laughs> you can imagine with a vengeance I found myself uh, revisiting homesickness and feeling feeling alien again unconnected close to that time it must have probably been uh, it was maybe in the spring following I was up late. I watched a program on PBS, I think, and it was the the Maharishi, uh, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the kind of guru, former father um, of the transcendental meditation movement. And he, it was it was as if he was speaking to me.
he exuded this, this peace and this understanding of universal interconnectivity and um, belonging. And it was just incredible. He was just speaking to me. So I sought out a teacher They're called Governors of Transcendental Meditation. Uh, she, she always, um, we're personal friends now, and she always made note uh, that I, I attacked the study with the veracity of a dog. You know, I was like a dog. I would, I would not, I would not let it go. And um, so I learned, I was initiated and um, the awarded personal mantra and you're initiated and you're coached on continuing practice. And uh, the actual, the first ceremony when I learned um, and left uh, the, my governor's house, it was such a cliche. It was literally one of those Hollywood cliches. I walked out, the sky was bluer, the birds were singing more cheerfully. Uh, you know, I could smell the flowers. Everything was incredible. Everything was miraculous. That evening at home, you know, I just, I looked on the kids with adoration <laughs> they weren't annoying just, I was just filled with this joy and calmness and this this connection to being right there where I was and nothing altered that state for almost three months which is ridiculous I remember um I was in carpool line to pick up pick up my youngest, my son from kindergarten class, and um, it, you know, an, an urban school, so the line the line passes through, and someone had um, hit my door, um, you know, passing through an open door, and. So it was a fender bender and bent this door. And I was just like, I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't care two hoots about it. I, I didn't, I just sent a note to the office and said, you know, just make parents aware that, you know, if you're passing in this lane to look out for open doors. And I mean, just nothing, um, nothing rattled me. Uh, I saw, I saw, I saw goodness in everything. So as I say, for that state to be maintained for almost three months was incredible. You know, I can say, it was a, well, it is. It was a life, a life-changing experience. And, but that experience, obviously, and from the teaching, fades. The way the governors explain it is it's like, so the experience I had was like looking over into the Grand Canyon. You know, that, that, and that awe, and that indescribable experience. 
Well, if you keep looking into the Grand Canyon, it can't possibly be of that same first. <gasps> so that state started to fade, obviously. I mean, I felt like I was walking around in my own little glowing bubble. And so then I had to navigate that, that this was fading, you know, was, was it not working? Was I going to slide back? Um, and I clung to my practice, my regular practice, um, meditating twice a day, morning and evening, literally, literally like my life depended on it because I considered that it did. And that, that's okay because um, I stuck with it and it, it's certainly not a quick fix meditation. But what it did do is I started to trust in life more. I started to trust in myself. I was more forgiving of myself. That overwhelming feeling that so many mums can have, so many, anyone can have of never being able to get stuff done and putting off. I, well, this was personally how I was living my life with the control, with the control of it. Um, was putting off happiness or enjoyment until the next thing was done, until the next holiday was done, until the next obligation was done, until the next, you know, school night was attended. So that grew less and less, and I became less, less judgmental and, as I say, more open to trusting myself. And I noticed that this ripple effect went out to the children. Um, I was definitely a calmer mother and felt, you know, perhaps really I was going to break this cycle of anxiety that obviously existed in my upbringing from my mother and was I indeed on you know on that trajectory role modeling this way of being to my children um and they opened up so much more than that I battled to get my degree and teaching credential transcribed because that too was not recognized as an alien um by this time um Several years in, I was green carded. I was allowed a working permit. I battled the bureaucracy because that's what it was. My degree wasn't recognized. My teaching credential wasn't recognized. It took almost two years to have that transcribed from the United Kingdom and recognized. And so I went back to part-time work. It was never at a comparative level, but I was back into reforming identity. I realize I've tried all sorts of new experiences, healing modalities, inquiry into other meditation practices, 
I've uh, studied at a local Buddhist monastery, um, which has always been there. If, you, if when I think about it, it was always there, but it was never brought into my path until the right time. And if I had to put it into words, what meditation does for me now, because people often ask and people have commented over the years that I have a sense of calm, you know, where does that come from? So if I had to say what it does for me, that, that would be one of the examples um, that I observe the serendipity in life. You know, I found that monastery and made this different inquiry at the time that I needed it. It was a particular um, loving-kindness meditation that I learned there. What else it does for me gives me a sen- the sense of calm, uh, the sense that life is, is done for me. It's not done to me anymore. My previous state was feeling that, you know, you were just, I was just, I was always navigating and it was like a storm, you know, a wave, a life event would come in and you'd na- I'd navigate that. And it's as if life doesn't have that flow anymore. It's, it's life's done, done for me, not to me. So it builds a kind of resiliency in you. That, that's what I tell uh, people that ask. It's as if it's made me see that which is greater than me or this universal interconnectivity or quantum physics or how, you know, however you name that in, in this particular form of meditation, transcendental meditation, um, which is not actually what I regularly practice right now. I say, but in that, in that practice, they call, they call it this universal power, um, the field of all possibilities, So however you want to name it, I know now that is actually within me, the field of all possibilities, and it's within every one of us. So it's a kind of life insurance policy. When I fall into periods of non-practice or inconsistency, I see and feel these old anxieties and patterns and negativity creeping into my thoughts and into my experience. So I practice to understand my true self by being with my mind so often that monkey mind, the Buddhists call it. I've had a glimpse many times at the impermanence (laughs) of all my thoughts and therefore the impermanence of of all my experiences. And it does kind of foster a degree of self-control, I suppose, 
or awareness of one's of the part you play yourself in your own experiences and your own suffering. So that's the resiliency I'm talking about um, that produces in me a spirit that is more at ease. And when I have more ease in my being, I act in ways that are more fulfilling. And by being calmer, I have conserved some energy that would otherwise, in that previous state, that would have been a frantic energy in the world. And this life insurance policy I have, it's almost as if being calmer, I've got a greater shot at happiness. And that's what meditation has done for me. I love what the Buddhists say about it. Um, they say, don't believe all I say. Just try it out. <laughs> Just try it out. And I think that inquisitive or that trying nature was always in me to, to try stuff out. After all, you know, an immigration across an ocean is quite a tryout. And now I'm armed with this comparative ease. And that's what I find myself doing in life more and more, just trying things out. My name is Vivian Partridge. My coaching business is Wellbeing Mind and Body Health Coaching. And there's a double E in that being. I love those Bs. I'm a health and lifestyle coach, and I love guiding women to that higher version of themselves. We all have such potential. The mind in the Mind and Body Health Coaching is really important. My website is www dot well dash b dash ing dot com that's wellbeing dot com don't forget that double e and you can follow me on facebook at wellbeing coaching thanks for tuning in to better than ever a health coach institute podcast for more information on our programs please go to www.healthcoachinstitute.com comment and share if you like what you hear 